Welcome to the VU Church Podcast. Today, Pastor Don Cherie Wilkerson concludes our collection of talks, Daddy Issues, Dealing with Your Past to Embrace Your Future. If you've missed any of the previous weeks, I would encourage you to go back, learn, and listen. It's been an incredible journey. In this final installment, That's My Dad, we're reminded that we are sons and daughters of our Heavenly Father who wants relationship with us. He has given us a framework to know Him. Ask, seek, knock. Let's lean into the message together. But as we continue Daddy Issues, I want to read to you the words of Jesus talking to the disciples. This is an intimate conversation, and I believe that Jesus wants to speak to us. He says this, and I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. And I wanna take the next few minutes to talk to you on this thought, that's my dad. That's my dad. Can we bow our heads and pray? God, thank you for this collection, Daddy Issues. Thank you for what you've spoken every single week to our hearts. You are transforming us by the power of your spirit. You're healing our hearts. And God, as we come into this room and to every location and those that are watching in their homes today, we open up our hearts to you. Do a work in us that is established and lasts every step forward of this journey. We love you. It's in Jesus' name that all of Vuk Church said. Oh, come on, all of Vuk Church said. Amen. Well, as we've been in this collection, Daddy Issues, I am, uh, I'm one of seven kids. My dad was an only child and said, that's not gonna be the case for my family. And uh, two weeks ago, I went home to Shreveport, Louisiana to celebrate my dad's 70th birthday. And it, yeah, better at 70. I got to get a vision for what better at 70 really looks like. I love my dad. My dad is my hero in life. And all seven kids and all of our spouses, we all flew into Louisiana. We brought all the grandkids. I think there are 15 of us now, 15 grandkids. Uh, Friends and family from all over the nation flew in to celebrate my dad's 70th birthday. My dad asked me to preach that Sunday at his church. And then that night, we had a three-hour just family party at the church where we did a concert, all the kids sang. We tried to sing some of the songs my dad's written. He's written hundreds of songs. And it was funny because there were people from all over who had come in for that night. And my kids were dead tired after the service. And so I drove back to my parents' house. I put my kids in their PJs. I put them to bed. And then I thought, you know what? 
I'm just gonna drive back to the church to see if anybody's there because I really wanna hang and I just, I, I don't wanna let this night end. I drive back to the church. Do you know that they hadn't even left the auditorium? There were still hundreds of people at 10.30 at night talking, catching up, reminiscing, laughing, telling old stories. We moved to the cafe, we, ca we got around the piano, we sang and we danced till one in the morning. It was a celebration of a lifetime. And I tell you this because there have been seasons in my life where I've been apprehensive to share just how much I love, respect, and adore my dad. Because I know that for a lot of people, that's not the case. But what I've come to the revelation of is this, that one of the greatest testimonies that I can tell in my life is that I've been extravagantly loved. Is that I've had a father in my life who has made all the difference. My dad is my hero, he is a renaissance man. He's a writer, he's a musician, he's a professional athlete, he's a coach, he's a pastor. He's the same on Friday night on the field as he is on Sunday morning in the pulpit. He's the same in the pulpit as he is in our home. And I just grew up adoring him. He taught me to have grit and he taught me to have grace. He taught me to embrace my femininity, but he also taught me how to throw a football. He taught me to have faith in Jesus, and I have so many memories of my dad. My dad has always been someone to work very hard. To this day at 70, he wakes up at four in the morning. My dad would work when I was a kid at the church during the day, and then he'd head to the football field in the evenings, and then he'd watch football film till late in the hours of the night. And I remember him coming home after working countless hours, and. If they would let me wake back up, he'd sometimes make steaks outside while I ran around in my pajamas. And if I got really lucky, he'd let me go to the studio with him even later as he edited um, some sort of film or as he worked on writing and producing a song. My dad brought me along on the journey. And as I grew and got to know him more and more, my respect for him just continued to grow. He was tough, but he is pure. He's always a learner. And uh, I remember my dad through the years watching him unflinchingly face pain, watching him take the high road and not talk about all his issues or try to prove or justify the path that he chose, but just decide to show up day after day and remain faithful. I wrote my very first song ever with my dad. I had a hook and he walked in. I said, Dad, I think I have an idea. He grabbed his guitar. He sat down with me and to be honest, my dad wrote the entire song. <laughs> he didn't put his name on it, but he and I both know that he wrote that song. I moved away from home when I was 17 years old, went to Nashville and then ended up going to college in Tennessee. And uh, I was dating Rich because we fell in love when we were 17 years old. And I'll never forget going to uh, a football game that my dad was coaching at in college. Uh, it was in a different state than I grew up in. It was an out-of-state game, and it just so happened that it was between Louisiana and Tennessee. So I asked Rich. The two of us jumped in the car. We drove to this game. It was being televised. There were thousands of people there watching this game. And uh, I, I was there cheering for my dad's team. 
And I went to the other side to grab some concessions with my then boyfriend at the time. We were just kids. And as I sat in the end zone with some nachos, just trying to not miss any part of the game, uh, I sat in a seat that wasn't on our side. I was in the end zone. And as I scooted into a bench to sit and eat and watch, I started to hear a conversation right behind me. And it, were, it was these men that I'd never met before. And the reason why it caught my attention is because I heard my dad's name. And I started to listen as these men behind me started to talk about my dad. And I realized very quickly that they had nothing good to say about my dad. They were slandering him. They were saying all sorts of lies about him and the community that had raised me. They had a lot to say about my dad and who they thought they were so sure that they knew him to be. And Rich is getting so angry next to me. And he's looking at me and he's like, I'm gonna say something right now. But you see, it wasn't the first time that anyone had ever said something about my dad. It wasn't the first time that I ever had um, a conversation with someone who thought that they knew who my dad was. And even though these people never shook my dad's hand, they had a lot of opinions about who he was. So I looked at my, my boyfriend. Hey, that's, I should start calling him my boyfriend again. I looked at Rich, I said, no, it's okay. You don't have to say anything, I, I've got it. And at some point, I let them continue to talk and then I finally just turned around and I looked them in the eyes. And I said, hi, my name is Don Cherie Duran. And the man you're talking about, that's my dad. And I want you to know that all the things you're saying about him that you think you know are actually not true. He's an incredible man. And tonight, I would appreciate if you wouldn't say anything else about him. And I turned around and I took a bite of my nacho. <laughs> There, there are moments that are unexpected where we have crucial conversations. Sometimes with people that we know, sometimes with people that we don't know. And you know, maybe when you decided to follow Jesus and entrust your life to your heavenly Father, you never expected that some people would trash your dad. Maybe you go into your workplace and people are trashing your dad. Maybe you go to your family barbecue and people are trashing your dad. And maybe you never expected to hear people say what they think they know about the one that you truly walk in relationship with. I wonder what we do when we hear people trashing our dad. I wonder if we just let it pass. I wonder if we laugh. It would have been really weird if I would have just turned around and kind of laughed with the guys as they made fun of my dad, told vicious lies about him and the community. I wonder why we don't speak up in love when the world tries to tell us who the one that we actually know is. Because friends, they don't know him. But you and I, when the world gets to tell us lies about our dad, we get to say, oh no, you don't know him. I do, that's my dad. He loves me, he leads me, he provides for me. 
And I guess my question today is, why do we not feel confident to say that's my dad? Is it because we actually don't know our dad? Is, big, is it because our relationship with him um, is on the surface? And when people start to say things about our dad or the community that we're a part of, we start to allow their opinions from afar shape who we truly believe that we are. See, I believe that this conversation of Jesus with the disciples, Jesus is pushing us to really know our heavenly father. He says, ask and it will be answered. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. What Jesus is saying is, that's your dad. Get to know him. Know who he is. And then that discover who you truly are. Knock, seek, ask, and you will find. Now Jesus says this to us and When I hear those words, ask, seek, knock, it kinda sounds like your weekly podcast or that email that you got from that great leadership guru telling you how to lead your organization, telling you how to be a great leader to gain influence. You should just ask, you should seek, you should knock. And friends, I believe that in this room and watching online at all of our locations, there are some real movers and shakers. I'm talking to some people that you know how to ask. You know how to seek. You know how to knock. You know how to get what you're going for in life. But friends, have you ever considered applying that same fervor to your relationship with God? Apply that same proactiveness. Apply that same passion. Apply that same thought process to your relationship with God. That's what we're gonna do today. Because you and I have an invitation from heaven to truly know who our Father is, if we'll just ask, if we'll seek, and if we will knock. So first of all, Jesus says, ask. Somebody say ask. My my son, (laughs) my son Wild is two. He's actually in kids right now. And he follows me around all day and all night. (laughs) Won't let me walk into the restroom alone. He won't let me walk outside to get a package alone or get my mail. He won't let me open the refrigerator alone. He follows me around all day and he says, mom, 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 mom. He says, dad, 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 follows Rachel along. And when I look at him and I say, what, wild? He says, why you do that? Why you do that? Say, do what? Why you do that? This is called deodorant. I want to talk to you about perspiration this morning, son. And we have conversations throughout the day. Just a few passages before, in the same conversation when Jesus is talking to the disciples, the disciples have a question for Jesus. It's Luke chapter 11, same chapter, same conversation. This is verse one. It says, now Jesus was praying in a certain place and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray as John taught the disciples. 
And they, and then Jesus says to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. Now this is a shorter version of what you and I know as the Lord's Prayer. In Luke, it's shorter the way that he recorded it. And in this collection called Daddy Issues, what have we said over and over again? We say, when you think God, think Father. When you think God, we want you to think that's my dad. And when Jesus teaches the Lord's Prayer, he starts with Father, wanting, to, wanting you to understand that the totality of every conversation in the proper context is that you are God's child. And so as you talk to him, talk to him like a son, talk to him like a daughter. We've taken the last few weeks to talk about who God truly is, that he's not like an earthly father. But today it's talking about who you are as a daughter, who you are as a son. What does it actually look like to be a son of the house, to be a daughter of the house? So Jesus teaches them as they ask him, hey, why you do that? Teach us how to talk to God. And Jesus teaches them and he begins with Father, but that's not all he says. He starts to touch on every aspect of life. Give us this day our daily bread. Lead us not into temptation. He begins by saying, hallowed be your name. God, you're holy. I honor you. Before I make any ask, I wanna make sure that you know I realize who I'm talking to. And I realize that as I'm talking to you that I get to be your daughter. I get to be your son. You know, it's been said about the Lord's Prayer that it's beautiful to use at the beginning of your prayer because it really ignites a fire inside of you to start talking to Jesus. But it's also beautiful to be used at the end of a prayer because it sums up everything that you wanted to say. Because Jesus talks about God leading us, Him providing for us, Him protecting us. He hits all the bases. I just wanna remind you, when you talk to God, it's not just about things that you consider spiritual. You are spiritual. You are filled with the very presence of God. That means that everything that you're thinking about, you can ask the Father about. Everything that you are pondering, you can bring into His presence. Just ask. Jesus is showing us how to ask. See, he starts with our Father, who's in heaven, hallowed be your name. You could walk in and just ask your dad something disrespectfully, but you probably wouldn't get into the conversation that you desire by approaching him that way. You know, when my kids are born, they scream to try to communicate with me. They scream to ask me to change their diaper. They scream to ask me to put them to sleep or to feed them. But as they grow, it's my responsibility as their parent to teach them the proper way to ask. And as they grow, they learn how to honor us and how to have genuine conversation by the way that we ask. It matters how we ask. Some of you say today, oh DC, I'm asking all right. God's not answering what I'm asking him for. But friends, when I say ask, 
And when Jesus says ask, he's not just talking about simply asking for what you want. There's a lot of other questions that we should bring to the Father. We should ask for forgiveness. Ask for forgiveness today and you will receive it. That's the promise of God. We should ask for wisdom. We should ask for blessing. We should ask for understanding. That's why Wilde still, he's, why you do that? He needs understanding. We should ask that God would lead us, that he should guide us. We should ask for permission. Hello, somebody. There's so many beautiful aspects of relationship with the Father in the context of a family that we should be asking, awaken to the depth of relationship that is found with your heavenly Father. You know, I can look back on times with my parents when something would be burning in my heart that I had to confess. And I'd be laying in my bed and I couldn't sleep and I'd end up busting through my parents' bedroom door you know, waking them up. Hey, I need to talk to you about this. I did this. I'm struggling with this. And what a relief would fill my soul as I simply asked for forgiveness. I was able to go back to my bed and lay my head on my pillow and sleep peacefully. Why? Because that's my dad and he knows what's going on with me. And now I've asked for forgiveness. I've come clean. Friends, some of you, you are wrestling with God. And if you would simply ask him for what's really on your heart, you'd find the peace that you're looking for. You'd find the strength that you're looking for. What's going on in here? Bring it to the Father. Ask. Ask. Ask, but not only ask, seek. Somebody say seek. Seek, Jesus goes on. We're all in Luke chapter 11. He shares the Lord's prayer, but then he wants to drive it home. And so he tells us a parable. It's a story. Jesus said to them, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, do not bother me. The door is now shut. My children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is a friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask and it will be given you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and the one who knocks, it will be open. Now you need to understand the context of this parable that Jesus is sharing. Because in that day and age, hospitality was everything. It was a sacred responsibility to be hospitable. If somebody showed up at your door and you were unable to provide a meal for them, oh, it was about even more than your reputation. It was about your identity. Hospitality was deeply important in those days. And Jesus is painting a picture of somebody showing up at the door unannounced and you not having any food because they would bake their daily bread. And when it was done, they would be done for the day and they would go to bed. 
And when we read that the door is closed of their neighbor, well, in those days, the day the door would be open in the home all day long from the time you woke up to the time you went to sleep. But once it was locked, friends, it was a bigger sign than just a do not disturb. Why? Because you would bring your entire family in. Often you would gather around the stove. They would all sleep together so that they would stay warm. You would even bring your livestock in. You would sometimes bring your animals in. And so when he's knocking on the door saying, get up, the neighbor is upset, not just because he's being awoken from his sleep, but because you're waking up the whole house. And he answers the door, not because he wants to help, but because he's created a ruckus. And he's going, if you're just gonna keep on knocking, we're all up anyway. Here's what you want. Get out of my front yard. You may read that and go, well, okay, so I just annoy God. I just be like that annoying kid, like wild. I'm kidding, I adore him. No, God's not telling you to annoy God, and you don't annoy God. A parable means to lay alongside, and oftentimes Jesus used parables not to perfectly parallel, but instead to contrast. And what Jesus is saying is, if your earthly neighbor who's grumpy and really doesn't even wanna help you will actually get up out of his bed because you knock long enough, how much more so the one who the psalmist says never sleeps or slumbers, the one who guides you with his eye, the one who loves you and knit you together in your mother's womb, the one who fearfully and wonderfully made you, who knows every word before it's on your lip, who ordained you and called you, who consecrated you and set you apart. How much more so does your heavenly Father want to give you what you need? Come on, if you believe it today, why don't we give God praise in this house? Right where you are, why don't you give him honor? He's waiting to answer. He's waiting to respond. How much more so? How much more so? How much more so if I seek him? I will find him. Friends, are you seeking him? Because when we talk about seek, it's all about your motivation and it's all about your focus and your intentionality. What are you seeking? And are you actually seeking the Father or are you seeking a result? Because those are two completely different things. Are you seeking for God to answer you or are you seeking to manipulate your relationship with the Father so that you can get what you want? Seeking is all about our motivation in life. And Jesus is saying this picture should tell you about prayer. The Father is waiting to answer you. But I guess my question to you is, when you seek him, and he answers you. How will you respond if his answer is correction or rebuke? Because a good father brings correction and discipline. 
a good father instructs us in the way we should go. I'll never forget one of the most important pivotal moments of my life is when I was 16, my dad had written a song and it was gonna be in a large production that year for our city. My dad wrote the song for me. He came home from work. I was in my school uniform. I'd just gotten home from school. He said, Don Sherry, I wrote the song. You're gonna sing it. And I started to weep. I said, I'm not gonna sing it, Dad. I was terrified. I was fearful. I was so stuck in my head. I said, Dad, I can't do it. And my dad so lovingly but strongly looked me in the eyes and he said, Don Sherry, if you do not step into what God has called you to do, he will use someone else. And his correction crushed me. But as I went to my room and I cried, my mom came up and sat on the bed with me and she said, Don Cherie, your dad is not mad at you. Your dad is speaking to the warrior inside of you to stand up and to fight. And there come moments in our life where the father He's always available and we seek him and we ask, but when he answers, it's an answer of correction. It's an answer of rebuke. And one of the clearest ways that you can see spiritual maturity is how someone answers when they are actually corrected. What do you do when you're corrected? Because it's not how good you pray. It's not how old you are. It's not how great your family is. It's not how great of a job you have. How do you respond? Are you like, peace out, I will see you later, God? Because when God disciplines his children, he loves his children. In fact, Hebrews says that we're an illegitimate child if we are not corrected. We're an illegitimate daughter. We're an illegitimate son. Why? Because no good father would allow his children not to be shaped by his wise, all-knowing, loving, faithful hands. How do you respond? We have a generation that gets offended when God tries to shape us for the life he created us to live. We have a generation that when corrected would rather run away than lean in to the growth and the stretching and the knowledge of who you were created to be. Seek and you will find. Proverbs 12.1 says, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but whoever hates correction is stupid. <laughs> I didn't know that I could say that to y'all, but the Bible just said it. I wanna love correction. I do, I want to love it. I don't always love it, but I, I wanna love it. Do you love correction? Well, Don Shree, I'm a grown man. No, you're a son. Well, I know who I am, and this is just the way that I am. No, you know the one who made you and is still making you who you were called and created to be. Do I love correction? Come on, can we give God praise? He loves us so much. I gotta ask, I gotta seek. But last, I've gotta knock. Come on, will somebody say knock? Knock. knock. 
And it's beautiful because Jesus just continues. You can go home and read Luke chapter 11. He just continues to teach, to try to get across to us. Hey, that's your dad. It says, what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish, give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? You know, why don't we ask? Why don't we seek? Why don't we knock? Well, I think inside of all of us are some daddy issues. I think at some point in all of our lives, we asked for an egg, we asked for a fish, and that's not what we were given. And it breaks trust inside of us because we start to equate relationships here on earth with our relationship with our heavenly Father who is perfect and who so desires to know you and to lead you. See, even the best dad is nothing compared to your heavenly father. And what Jesus is saying is he's saying, even even dads here on earth, they give their kids what they need. See, See, Jesus is making it clear, there is a standard for earthly fathers. And for some of you, who need healing in your hearts today, it's healing for you to hear that God does have a standard for your earthly father. It may not have been met, but God has a standard. But if in life, the difference between a a, a bad earthly father and a good earthly father is like from here to here, well, the difference between a good earthly father and your heavenly father is like from here, way past the moon. Like it just keeps on going. There is no comparison to how different even the best earthly father is to your heavenly father. And that's what Jesus is trying to get across to us. If, when he says, how much more so? How much more so? your heavenly Father. See, when our earthly fathers fail us, when other people in our lives fail us, all of us in life have gaps in life. But Jesus says, when you ask the Father for the Holy Spirit, when you seek, when you knock, He will send His presence to you. And I wanna speak over to you I wanna speak over you today, the Holy Spirit fills the gaps. Every gap in your life isn't to be looked at with a microscope, isn't to be just focused on and worried about and for it to fill your heart with anxiety. Those gaps were meant to be surrendered to Almighty God. You say, God, you see the gaps. Holy Spirit, you fill the gaps as if they never were. You bring me the peace I need. Bring me the self-confidence I need. Bring me the identity that I seek. Bring me the understanding that I I lack in the discernment that I so desperately want. Holy Spirit, will you fill the gaps? But we must knock. What is knocking? Well, knocking is going to the places that God is. 
Knocking is in your home, filling it with worship, pursuing God, creating a prayer life. But knocking is also going to the corporate places where God is. Because God has created the church. It's His idea. Why? Because He says when we're gathered, He is in our midst. And when you decide to show up on a Sunday, let me just tell you what you're doing. You're knocking, friend. When you decide to serve on a Sunday, you're knocking so other people learn that they can knock too. When you decide to be a part of a crew, what are you doing? You're knocking. When you decide to come on a Saturday when everybody else is doing something else and say, I'm a part of an actual family. Yeah, that's my dad. That's my community. What are you doing? You are knocking. Knock and the door will be opened. We wonder why doors don't open. Doors don't open that you don't walk up to. There's power in just showing up. There have been too many moments that I haven't wanted to get out of bed, that I haven't wanted to show up. But there's something about when you walk into an atmosphere of faith, all of a sudden your perspective changes. All of a sudden your focus is different. Your attitude is flipped upside down. A holy longing is awakening. A pull deep calls to deep as God calls me to see things the way the Father sees them. How does it happen? How do I get access? I knock. Every morning when my kids wake up, there's this thing we say, it's so fun. They know it now and they shout it at the, la- at the top of their lungs and I say it with them. I say, God, this is your day. I'm your girl. Let's go for it. And my boys look at me and they're like, God, this is your day. I'm your man. Let's go for it. And sometimes when I'm saying it, I just have to stop and think, are we serious? The creator of the universe Let's me talk to him. The creator of the universe lets me say, I'm your girl. The creator of the universe welcomes me. Every question I have, I can ask. Everything that I seek. You know, I play hide and seek with my kids. It's not really hide and seek. Wild hides underneath the couch cushions. And you just see him from a mile away because the couch is shaking because he's laughing with glee, just imagining me pulling the cushion off. But when my kids seek me, how many of you know I'm not really hiding? I'm like standing somewhere because I want them to find me because it brings them delight when they find me. My dad's 70 years old and One of the things in our honor circle with just the kids that we had a few nights after the celebration that I said to him, I said, Dad, it amazes me how much wisdom you have that how you're not a helicopter parent who's always just trying to tell me what you know. You wait until I ask. But that's the dynamic of a genuine relationship because my dad is not a drill sergeant. Your heavenly father is not a drill sergeant. He's your father. 
And I just feel led right now to say that some of you, you're just asking for the big moments. Oh, who should I hire? Oh, who should I marry? Oh, should I do this job? What colleague should I go to? Oh God, I feel like I'm in a deep pit, pull me out. He loves being there for those moments. But there's such a depth of knowledge waiting for you if you just ask more. Because I I can ask my dad for the big stuff, but I find delight in relationship and real genuine wisdom and understanding when I ask him about all sorts of things. When was the last time you asked? When was the last time you sought? When was the last time you knocked? Because we can talk all day about what it looks like to be him, (laughs) how he's perfect and he's loving, but friends, what does it look like to be a daughter? What does it look like to be a son? What does it look like to be a part of the house? There was a season in my life when I walked through eight years of infertility. My kids are miracles. I have a four-year-old son, the two-year-old son, and I have a one-year-old little baby girl. It's not so much a baby anymore. And for eight years, we prayed for kids. And infertility can feel like you're in a season of exile. It can feel like you're in a wilderness. And I was reading my journals the other day and one of them stuck out to me because I was writing and I said, I I feel like I'm stuck in a hallway and I don't want to even look into the room that I'm trying to get into. I I don't wanna push in. I don't wanna plan the baby showers. I don't wanna think about what the baby room will look like. I don't wanna think about being pregnant. I don't even wanna let my mind go there because the only thing worse than being stuck in the hallway is being ushered out of the room after you've walked in. That was the end of the journal entry. About three days later, I wrote back in. said, the Holy Spirit reminded me today about my conversation with him about being in the hallway. And he reminded me that I've never been in a hallway. That every single time I ask him, every time I reach out to him, I am ushered into the most beautiful room. It's more beautiful than having a child. It's more beautiful than any experience. It's the presence of God. And the room is called His grace. His grace is enough that it fills every gap, it fills every void, it dries our tears, it comforts us in the midnight hour. All you have to do is ask. All you have to do is seek. All you have to do is knock. You're not in the hallway. You've been given access. Walk in and claim your place as a son of God, as a daughter of God. try to tell you who he is and all of his faults and flaws but you've experienced his perfect love that casts out all fear you've been forgiven you've been made a new creation oh I know him and I can say with confidence today that's my dad come on all over this room at every location let's lift our hands let's lift our eyes to heaven let's give God the Thank you for listening to today's message. At 
Vu, we believe we weren't meant to do life alone. We've been created with a unique purpose and designed to live in relationship with Jesus. If you've never surrendered your life to Him, we want to create an opportunity for you to do so today. If you want to say yes to Jesus, would you pray this with me? Dear Jesus, come into my life. Be the Lord of my life. I trust you with my past. I ask that you guide me in my present, and I even place my future in your hands. I'm yours, Lord, now and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. If you made the decision to follow Jesus today, we want to partner with you in the next steps of your faith journey. Go to vuchurch.com slash online. We love you.